0: Radio. Radio.
1: Radio. Well, in a world of questions, once again, we've got answers. In a world of problems, we've got solutions. And as I said many times before, sports, well, they are the greatest reality show invented, and you can script everything but the outcome. And on that note, I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Tonight. We hit the ground running at 100 miles per hour and we'll speed up from there. In about 15 minutes, Amal Shaw from the Vegas Stats and Information Network will join us to talk about the enigma known as the Las Vegas Raiders and their upcoming Hall of Fame game Thursday among other things. And in a minute, we're going to take a deep dive into the undeniably profitable world of NFL preseason sports betting. I'm not joking. First, I want to remind you that sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Jared Allen, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. You know, you will hear people say occasionally, don't bet on preseason football. Big mistake. No, not true. It's actually easier than capping the regular season. And in most cases, you can read ahead of time the exact game plan for each team, who's going to play, who's not going to play. That doesn't mean you're guaranteed to win. Don't get me wrong. But you look for edges as betters. And frankly, how often in any sporting event will you ever find, certainly not on the professional level, maybe not even on the, probably not the college level or even the high school level, where one side really doesn't care if they win. How do we know that? Because, look, we've got plenty of data, and I'm going to break down four key reasons why betting on the preseason can be and how it can be very profitable. And By the way, make no mistake. Uh, for instance, you've got a game Thursday night, the Hall of Fame game. The Raiders in Jacksonville will tee it up. Two first-year coaches, Doug Peterson, not debut coaches in terms of their NFL careers, but debut in Josh McDaniel first-year coaches for their respective teams. Number one goal, don't get hurt. Okay, Bully, I I can promise you that, especially from the Raiders' perspective. I think you see a little bit more of a spirited effort out of Jacksonville. We'll get to that in a minute. The game opened up, Raiders minus three. It's now down to minus one and a half. Money's come in on on Jacksonville. And by the way, in, in, in the years I covered the Lions, which is a solid decade, Uh, Well, those are just the years I did the pre- and post-game show. I pretty much covered the Lions from 94 to 2009 when I left town. Look, NFL preseason games are not a waste of time because if you're a position coach and if you're an offensive or defensive coordinator, it gives you a chance to evaluate position battles in a live game situation rather than just practices and drills. And it gives organizations, personnel directors and such, an opportunity to evaluate their draft choices and the, progresses that, the progress they make from year one to year two. So there's something for everybody, and I, you're going to be excited when you wake up Thursday morning. NFL is back. Um, the exhibition season, as I said, starts Thursday, and, and the Raiders in Jacksonville will, will tee it up. And, you know, let's just dive right in now as to what I believe are the four key reasons as to angles in terms of what do you look for when you are betting preseason games the first first and foremost are coaches. Uh, we have data on this. There are you know coaches who are who've been very profitable and active in the preseason and very uh, uh, you know they play to win. John Harbaugh comes to mind 29 and 15 against the number. You're plus 13 units if you bet on John Harbaugh games, Baltimore Ravens. Pete Carroll always wants to win in the preseason. 23 and 12, you'd be plus 10 units. Mike Zimmer's no longer in the league, but he was the same way. Same with Gruden. On the opposite side of the scale, you got guys like Mike Vrabel of Tennessee. Um, he's owned four last year against the spread. Uh, Andy Reid has been well under 500 in his career. Bill Belichick. Uh, Never really cares much about the preseason. If you blindly bet Bill Belichick in preseason games, just in the last five years, you're minus eight units. So there's coaches who care. There's coaches who don't. How about Sean McVay? Here's a real classic example. Sean McVay, head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, clearly hates the preseason. He uses August to scout his younger guys and keep his starters and keep backups healthy. The Rams were 0-3 against the spread last year. McVay's only 5-10 in his career and now they're coming off a Super Bowl victory and they open up, uh, what, five weeks, six weeks from Thursday night against Buffalo. Yeah, you really think Sean McVay cares much about the preseason? No. So there you have it. Coaches. Very important. How about first year coaches? Now, this is also very significant because not only do we have a whopping uh, 10 first year coaches for the 2022 23 season in their first year uh, and, and yes this can be a little tricky but generally first year coaches perform very well in their first August home game um, this really started to take note about six years ago when first year coaches went six and one against the spread in their first home game and then every year it's been five and two etc 23 and twelve on the ledger, against the spread, in the last five preseasons combined. that That's about 67%. You can make all the money you want to make if you hit sixty percent of your bets, and there it is laid out for you in the last five years. First-year head coaches with a new team, their first home game in the preseason. Why they all want to show the owner, the GM, the players, the fans, hey, I'm the right man for the job. And how about just a little refresher on who these first-year coaches are? Matt Eberfluss in Chicago. Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. Lovey Smith. He's in Houston now. I just mentioned Doug Peterson and Josh McDaniel. That's a neutral site game. So neither one of those will count for a home game. Uh, Mike McDaniel. He's with the Miami Dolphins. Kevin O'Connell, the new coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Dennis Allen, the New, York, uh, new Orleans Saints. Brian Dable with the New York Giants. And of course, Todd Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Another key factor is take a look at the schedule, and what happens last week can often reveal what might happen next week. What do I mean by that? Teams who start 0-1, and they play a team that's 1-0, just keep an eye on that. Typically, the team who started 0-1 covers about 57% of the time, if they're playing a team, Started 1-0. Now, you got to factor that also into if you have conflicting information with respect to maybe that 0-1 team is visiting a 1-0 team and that 1-0 team went on the road. But now the coach, the first-year coach, has a home game and it's his first home game. You get where I'm going with that. Don't overthink it, but follow these simple rules. Coaches who like to win versus coaches who don't. The coaches who our uh, first-year head coaches, and then, of course, now the schedule. Another angle to consider that's very important, actually, is depth. Now, this one is a little bit obvious. Uh, Joe Public often gets worked up about starters and skill position players in certain teams, certainly during the regular season, but it's the same in the preseason. See, teams that can go two or three deep, sometimes four deep, at the skill positions, they're going to have a decided advantage over a club that has a few stars that'll be sitting after the first or second series a perfect example is none other than the buffalo bills who basically if you look at the quarterback room and this is very important you've got josh allen case keenum and matt barkley that's going to be one of the better quarterback rotations this august in the preseason don't forget the bills have not only been running sean mcdermott's system for the last five years and yes they do have a new offensive coordinator in ken dorsey uh, but he's also been with the Bills two years ago as the Bills quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. So there's a real smooth transition there. The Bills were 4-0 and against the spread in the preseason in 2019, 2-1 against the spread last season, 6-1. and So this is a situation where you've got continuity and you've got depth. Now, on the flip side, the Houston Texans, they're going to be bringing in a brand-new head coach, Levy Smith, a brand-new offensive coordinator, Pep Hamilton, and a brand-new defensive coordinator. Uh, And their quarterback room is Davis Mills, Kyle Allen, and Jeff Driscoll with somebody named Kevin Hogan learning a brand-new offense. You can't really say you like that kind of depth if it comes to betting the preseason. By the way, the Texans' defense will also be learning a brand new scheme as well. You want my humble opinion? I think the Texans might have a rough preseason. So quarterbacks' continuity are key. NFL preseason wagers, just like those during the regular season, can often come down to the last eight minutes, the last half of the last quarter of a game. So find teams that have solid depth of quarterback and or have some experience or success in the league. When you've got quarterbacks like the Buffalo Bills have, Matt Barkley started a lot of games. So is Case Keenum. And you know what Josh Allen can do, not knowing how many snaps Josh Allen's going to get in most of his games. But nonetheless, you've got that situation there. The continuity, the quarterbacks, the depth. When you've got a quarterback room like I just mentioned in Buffalo, they'll have a tremendous advantage in the closing moments of a game. Especially, remember, they're most likely going to be playing a situation where it's a third or fourth string defense and some of those guys, great athletes, maybe they were great in college, they might be working at Nap Auto Parts next month. Nothing wrong with that. It's good Christian values, good hard work, honest way to make a living. Every job, you know, is there, there. there's integrity in every job, but that doesn't mean they're National Football League players. You should know that motivation is different for every head coach. Not every head coach cares about winning in the preseason, but if you've got the depth, et cetera, so who do you play on maybe in the preseason in 2022? One team I've actually got my eye on, the Detroit Lions. Now, Dan Campbell did go 0-3 against the spread last year in the preseason, and I think you're going to get good value on a team this year in the Lions who has more depth than most people realize. And also, sometimes you like playing second-year head coaches in the preseason that had a winning record against the spread during the regular season. The Lions were only 3-13-1 last year. I believe that was the record, but they were eleven and six against the spread. The Lions made you money last year. By the way, the Lions offensive line is now ranked number ten by pro football focus heading into the season. And I actually think the Lions have some some good players and they drafted well. So you can't really go to sleep on the Lions. You know, look, there's a lot of parity in the leagues. I was telling Artie and Aaron about an hour ago. Last year I really started to dive into the handicapping for twenty twenty twenty-two Last year, if you blindly bet every single NFL dog in the regular and postseason, you bet a hundred blindly, you'd be up 26 units. There's parity in the league. There are no, you know, there are no 1972 Dolphins going 17-0 this year. So something to keep an eye on. Finally, so as we head into Thursday night, do I have a best bet on this game? I will tell you the side I like. I haven't fired on it yet. And shame on me, because I could have got the total at 34. I don't know that I want to chase. It's down to 33 and a half now. Uh, I would look to the under. Five of the last six Hall of Fame games have gone under. Doug Peterson is 9-4. and He's the head coach of the Jacksonville Jags. He's 9-4 and in the under in his last 13 preseason games. Don't expect, by the way, don't expect either offensive team to find any kind of rhythm in, in this game Thursday night. Uh, and so does it feel like a 14 to 10 game something along those lines? Yeah, I think you might see one series out of out of the uh, Trevor Lawrence and you got a lot of young bucks fighting for jobs defensively for Jacksonville. Uh, the Raiders don't get hurt. I'd be shocked if any of their starters and remember Josh McDaniel comes from the Bill Belichick tree. Bill Belichick really doesn't care if he wins preseason games. I feel you get more of the same with uh, Josh McDaniels here Thursday night. Be that as it may, I think you'll see a, a bit of a defensive tilt for obvious reasons. Teams barely hit now in the preseason. They will only have had a little over two weeks to get ready for a, a game, a national TV game. You got travel issues, all those sorts of things. It just feels like a low-scoring game to me Thursday night between Jacksonville and, uh, and the Raiders. So there you have it. The NFL preseason is upon us. Arnie likes to joke the preseason is a free season. Laugh all you want, laugh clown, laugh. I will tell you this: if the books didn't feel that the players, the betters, had an edge on the you know on, on the sports books in the preseason more so than the regular season, then why are the limits so low? In a regular NFL season regular season game, you can get down three hundred grand. In a preseason game, you'd be lucky to get down a, a dime. So. There you have it. Coming up, we'll bring in Amal Shaw from the Vegas Stats and Information Network. We're both here in Vegas. We both live in Vegas. He knows just like I am. They're uh, feeding the Vegas Raiders, you know, to us like water through a fire hose every day. We'll break it down as to what we think the Raiders will do this year, and we'll talk about Thursday night's game as well. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas.
0: Arrington, TJ Hutchmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
4: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. Sum 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema club.
1: Hey, we're back on Straight of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Welcome in a gentleman. He's here in Vegas with me. He's with the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Say hello to Amal Shaw. You've heard him here before. Amal, how are you, buddy?
5: Hey, I'm well. Thanks, Bernie. Good to be back on with you.
1: Yeah, I want to dive in. Uh, We're going to get into the Raiders per se in a minute, but I'd like to start out with Thursday's uh, Hall of Fame game. Uh, In the last 10 games, only one has exceeded 33.5 points, and that was back in 2017. I feel like we're looking at an under Thursday night. Your thoughts?
5: Yeah, I would agree with you, and I'd also tell you to jump on the line as quick as possible because by the time we get to kickoff – that thirty-two and a half right now, and I think it'll come down even more just simply because people will play this game under. Remember, you're, if at all you see anybody that's with, with uh, first team, it would be one series, two max, and even that's being optimistic. Uh, likelihood probably you're not going to see any starters. Um, and, you know, there's no continuity for these other players. And let's be real here. Th- these are teams that are generally just going through the motions because they do have that extra uh, op- opportunity with the preseason. So I just don't think you're going to see too much of it uh, from an offensive standpoint from the Raiders and the Jags.
1: Completely agreed. And and as far as the side, I believe the Lions sort of settle, Raiders minus two. Uh, Jacksonville has a little bit deeper roster with players competing for a job. I look for the Raiders to just try to not get hurt. Jacksonville will have some guys fighting for a position. Thoughts on the side if you have one.
5: Yeah, Bernie, I thought you brought up a great betting angle for the preseason. And I like to look at teams that have a little bit of a quarterback competition or some depth uh, situation where you look and say, well, we've got two decent players, but nothing is resolved in terms of who's going to be the starter. It tends to be a little bit more competitive from that side. I think it's a really good angle. Um, To me, if you're looking at this one, I would probably take the Jags uh, on the money line plus 105 and forego the plus a point and a half here. Um, but it's hard to really sit there and say overwhelming from one way or the other.
1: Absolutely. Talking with Amal Shaw of the Vegas Stats and Information Network, let's dive into the Raiders, Amal. I feel like we're really being force-fed the Raiders and Josh McDaniels and the new regime and the sky's the limit. I'm, I can't say I'm sold yet. What is your knee-jerk reaction about this team?
5: Well, first, let's start with Josh McDaniels. I I don't understand how many coaches have to come through New England and and realize that (laughs) it's not Belichick and Brady. No, I give you the list. Romeo Romeo Cornell, serious failure. Uh, Bill O'Brien, serious failure. Josh McDaniels, failure. I mean, judge failure. How many coaches need to fail before people start to realize they're not bringing Tom Brady with them? I don't even. I didn't even mention Charlie Weiss. or, or I mean, Matt Patricia. Talk, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's oh, Matt Patricia. Thank you. I forgot about him. Actually, um, you know, look, I'm not saying that McDaniels can't coach and he can't do a better job the second time around, but let's not get it twisted. I mean. You know, he wasn't some great coach in his coaching stint in Denver. He was 11 and 17. Um, so I would pump the brakes a little bit. I like the talent. I think the one thing that I think is really important when you look at this team, uh, I like the addition uh, bringing in Chandler Jones. I think Chandler Jones has been criminally underrated in his career. I, I think he's been a tremendous player that just kind of was an afterthought in Arizona. But I, I think he's a huge difference maker for them, potentially helps out Max Crosby quite a bit. But, again, even with that pass rush improving, how good is that secondary going to be? Jonathan Abram, not particularly great. I think Trayvon Mooring in the secondary, I think he's got an opportunity to be really good. Uh, but I still have some concerns about the back seven for this team, how effective they will be. It remains to be, it remains to be seen how effective they're going to be. And, and, look, I know it's on paper, but this, to me, uh, Bernie, is the most competitive division I've ever seen, yes. at least on paper.
1: Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Hold that thought for just a second. While I do believe the Raiders' biggest strength will be their receivers, I believe their biggest weakness will be their offensive line. Talk about that for just a second.
5: Yeah, I would agree with you there. When you look at this team on the offensive line, lots of concerns, lots of question marks in terms of what they're going to be able to do. Look, Colton Miller is very solid on the left side of that offensive line. You know what, but there's still some concerns with Brandon Parker, Lester Cotton on the right side. Um, I just don't know how effective they're going to be. Alex Leatherwood was the guy who was expected to be a starter there on the right side of the offensive line. Um, You know, he looks like he's going to be potentially running with the second team. So there's definitely concerns there. And the reality in today's NFL has been the case for a long time. I always go back to that 07 Super Bowl when we saw the Patriots get manhandled by the New York Giants. If you don't have the offensive line protection, it doesn't matter if you've got Devontae Adams, uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, Derek Carr, whomever, it's not going to matter if your quarterback can't stay upright. And I think this is what's going to be crucial for this team to be effective. The offensive line's got to be better than what we anticipate coming into the season.
1: Talking with Amal Shaw, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, you brought up a good point, Amal. They're in the most competitive division in football. Who jumps at you? I still think someone's got to knock off the Chiefs. I like the continuity between Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. We go from there. I think you'll hear from Russell Wilson, and we'll see if this is the year that Herbert breaks out, and the Chargers did pick up uh, Khalil Mack as well. Who jumps out to you to
5: win the division? You know, i, I tell you, it's a tough call. I'm going to go with Kansas City only because I think Mahomes is still probably the second-best player in football, Aaron, Aaron Donald being the number-one player in my book. Um And even though Tyreek Hill is gone, I'm not as concerned about the loss of Hill uh, Mm -hmm. simply because I think Mahomes is the catalyst for that team. And, you know, people forget how effective this guy has been in his career and what he's been able to do. And you, you mentioned it, the continuity with him and Andy Reid being together for so long, I, I think that helps a lot. They bring in Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Let's see how effective he could be in terms of deep ball threat. I'm not as big of a Miko Hardman fan as maybe some other people might be, but I still think Travis Kelsey's the difference maker. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been missing in action for the last year plus. So anything you get out of him could be a potential bonus. Um I still think you got to go through Kansas City. With that being said, I know a lot of people like the Chargers. I'm not as high on Khalil Mack as everyone else has been. I always go back to that question that somebody asked uh, Bill Belichick. How do you compare Khalil Mack to Lawrence Taylor? You don't if you know anything about football. And, um, you know, look, they'll be effective with him and Bosa. But here's the problem. Bosa's going to play only 12 to 17 games. It's almost a guarantee he's going to miss uh, some time due to injury. they got a talented team. But I don't like the unnecessary gambles that the Chargers take. And then I look at the one team that I think is a real wild card here, and that's the Denver Broncos. I love Russell Wilson. I think this guy's unbelievable. Doesn't turn the football over. Now, here's an opportunity for guys like Jerry Judy to prove themselves. Solid running game, good defense. But I think Russell Wilson's a difference maker, and I think he just elevates the program and the culture when he steps in the building in Denver.
1: Uh, last one for me, wrapping it up with mall Shaw, the Vegas Stats and Information Network. I'll blurt it out first. I think the Ra- the Raiders' ceiling this year is 9-8. and eight. I may eat my words, but they're going to have to prove it. you got the floor.
5: Yeah, I did look, Bernie, I don't think that's a bad number you're projecting there. I think it's probably actually right off par. I see them somewhere between 7 wins to, t- uh, to 10. And you sit there and say, well, you're straddling the fence. But the reality is, we know that about six of these games are going to come down to one or two plays. Do you execute successfully in those situations? That's what's going to be the key. Um, the schedule to start out is not particularly easy, but they do have Jacksonville. They do have Houston. Uh, those are a couple of games you can definitely add into the win column. But I look at this AFC. I don't know how you see it burning out of 16 teams. If you include the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think you got 13 teams that are viable to make the postseason. This is one of the most challenging leagues I've ever seen any conference uh, but I, I tend to agree with you i think your nine win prediction is spot on I, I would go somewhere if you said i had to make a pick i would say eight to nine wins they're right there and then do you win the turnover margin in a game or two that's what it's going to come down to
1: uh great stuff amal let's do this again as we get a month into the season
5: absolutely thanks so much bernie appreciate the time
1: thanks amal tamal shaw the vegas stats and information network uh Pretty open-minded about the Raiders. Good analysis as far as the depth of the AFC West. Lots Pack. Thursday night, we both agree, should be a low-scoring game. Remember, last year in the Hall of Fame game, both teams combined for a total of 19 points, and Maul brought up a great point. If you like the under, you better get on it now. It's only going to go south. It was 34 a week ago. A couple weeks ago, it's now to 33, I believe. Probably going to go down from there. Coming up, everybody else is talking about Kyler Murray. I might as well throw in my two cents as well. But first... Let's go to Kevin Figures. With the latest. Kevin, welcome back. How are you?
2: Thank you, Bernie. Always good to be with you. We'll uh, start with a Major League Baseball from Saturday. You have the Rockies snapping the Dodgers' three game win streak with a 5 3 victory. Clayton Kershaw allowing all three runs there and taking the loss. Abraham Toro pinch hitting for the injured Julio Rodriguez in the ninth inning, and he actually drove in the eventual winning run as Seattle beat Houston 5 4. Home runs for Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa helped the Twins defeat the Padres 7 4. William Contreras went deep twice for the Braves in a 6 2 win over Arizona. Josh Bell a three-run home run, leading Washington over St. Louis 7-6. Carlos Carrasco picking up his 100th career victory in a 4-0 Mets win over the Marlins. Wins for the Brewers, Angels, and the Yankees, who got home run number 42 on the season from Aaron Judge. In golf at the PGA event in Detroit, Tony Finau tied with Ta- Taylor Pendrith for top billing through three rounds. At the Live event in New Jersey, Henrik Stinson has a three-stroke lead. And at UFC 277, Amanda Nunez defeated Juliana Pena to regain the bantamweight title. All right, back to straight out of Vegas.
1: All right, thank you, Kevin. And Kevin, of course, will be with us till 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. All right, let's get to Kyler Murray. And for the record, and I don't like it when people listen selectively. I like Kyler Murray. The minute he stepped onto the field in 2019, he almost upset the Lions Week One. Drove them down the field. You know, they came back from a big deficit. The man can play, and he can operate from the pocket. He, he he can play, so let's get that out of the way right now. And uh, you know, the he's he's won games, and they weren't doing that before he got there. Okay, he had a quarterback and a coach fired after one year. So let's get that out of the way. All right, but let's now get to the meat of the issue. You know, Henry, I'm going to draw a parallel. Uh, what do your employers expect from you now? Henry Ford, you may have heard of Henry Ford. He started a little car company in Dearborn, Michigan many years ago. Um, I've actually been to the Henry Ford mansion. I lived 15 minutes from Dearborn, Michigan for a better part of two decades. Henry Ford once commissioned one of his uh, executives to prepare a study, and he told the executive, I want this report on my desk tomorrow at 8 a.m. sharp. Sure enough, the executive had it there, Ford, Calls him in at 830, holds it up in the air and says, is this the best you can do? And the executive says, well, uh, you know, I'm working on three projects at once. Give it back to me. I'll I'll put some more effort into it. Has the report on Ford's desk the next morning at 8 a.m. Ford calls him in again at 830, holds the report up in the air and says, is this the best you can do? He says, you know, one of my kids were sick last night. I got distracted. Give it back to me. I'll work on it some more. He Went back, worked on the report, had it on Henry Ford's desk the next morning at 8 a.m. Ford calls him again at 8:30, holds the report up in the air and says, "Is this the best you can do?" And the employee said, "That's the best I can do. I put every ounce of effort I into this, every ounce of effort I could into this report. Maximized my research. I was up all night. That is it. That's the best I can do." And Ford says, "Okay, now I'll read it." What do your employees expect from you? Kyler Murray feels disrespected from who? They just gave him 160 million reasons to get over it. Somehow, for some reason, the Kyler Murray contract had legs all week, and it still does. People talking about it today. He signed it five five, six days ago, and there's been enough twists and turns in this goofy story to last the whole season. So let's unpack this just quickly in case you missed it. Kyler Murray signed his new sparkling $230.5 million contract extension Monday. And everybody was happy. And Kyler Murray was much richer, of course, after getting the money he wanted. All good. Then remember now, whenever an NFL contract is negotiated and signed and consummated, it's then sent to the league office for approval and certification. Now, at that point, it becomes public. And media guys and people who are intrepid, they have access. So they can read the contract and report on it. That's how this whole thing got out. Well, what got out? Well, news slowly trickled out that the Cardinals chose to put a clause in Murray's deal demanding that he conduct at least four hours per week of, quote, independent study for the team's next game. There were even stipulations about him not watching TV or playing video games while studying. Studying. Now this is real stuff for uh, an adult performing a job that's gonna guarantee him $160 million. So obviously <laughs> dialogue of this nature started to get loud and it got put out on Front Street. And then people started to draw inferences. Did the Cardinals think Murray slacks off in game prep? Uh, what kind of trust level is there for this to even be part of the contract? And by the way, Murray agreed to it. But then Kyler Murray got really mad on Thursday. And there was a, this press conference was not scheduled. They called one. He slammed, quote, the metaphorical you, that's me and you, for doubting his preparation and maturity. When, when did we do that? I didn't ask. I, I have no idea what his preparation is. I just got done saying I think he's been pretty damn dynamic on the field. He stuck it up against the Rams. It looked like he was trying not to get hurt, but that's a story for a different day. But I, I don't think about his preparation or maturity. I, I know he's in the National Football League. He's having success. I, you know, how could I call that into question? How would I possibly know? How would any of us possibly know? The team, by the way, wanted the clause. They started it. And then Carla Murray agreed to it, so why are we the ones that are disrespecting him? Who, who, What the hell are we talking about here? Finally, late Thursday, then, to make matters worse, I think, the Cardinals gave in, announcing they stripped the clause of Murray's contract, and now they're all hoping to move forward. You know, gee, I'm sure nothing will fester here. You watch. By all the indecisiveness and all the goofiness, all it did was create a situation where this will continue to be Talked about, okay. What can happen next? Either this continues to boil over even more, or (laughs) I'm not I'm not a gamer, but if all of a sudden you see Kyler Murray's rankings globally start to rise on Call of Duty, and the Cardinals start to lose games in the NFC West and people get fired, well then you know what's happening, maybe sort of, or maybe he's studying even more. How the hell do we know? Or then maybe Kyler Murray goes out and wins the MVP. And the Arizona Cardinals win the division. All I know is, is, you know, there are three types of people in the world. Those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who wonder what the hell happened. Please feel free to put me in the third category because I'm trying to figure out exactly what the hell happened here. I just want to know one thing. If you want to straighten this out, Arizona, and maybe you don't, maybe you just shut up for now. Why don't you – can somebody please tell us why there's a reason the Arizona Cardinals wanted that clause in the contract? Why? They just just didn't pull it out of left field out of whole cloth. There has to be a reason. There has to have been one or more trigger events. There has to have been a pattern, something. And I have no idea. I'm just grabbing at straws here. I just would like to know one thing. Why did Arizona want that clause in the contract first? They didn't put a weight clause in his contract. No. Guys, looks like he's in world-class shape to me, but they put a study hall clause. Why? What happened? What happened, Lucy? What you talking about, Willis? No one's, no one's addressing that, and they don't want to because it'll get even more embarrassing. Again, and that's what causes everybody to draw the inferences, and that's why we've now come full circle. Deshaun Watson got two hundred and thirty million, I got it all guaranteed now. Kyler only got only, I say in air quotes, hundred and sixty million guaranteed. But he did get you to notice he wasn't gonna play for a penny more than Deshaun Watson, and there's no reason to believe he won't finish out the contract. Forty six million a year, five years, that extra five hundred grand ought to come in nice, and it makes him king of the hill for now, for about sixteen seconds until the next quarterback exceeds what Kyler Murray got. Onward and upward. And uh, the Arizona Cardinals don't have a game this week, so I guess he doesn't have to study the extra four hours this week. Oh, yeah, they took it out of the contract. And if you followed all that, you're a better man than me. And if you think that was weird, let me tell you about a weird stat that's happening in Major League Baseball as the 2022 MLB season continues. That's coming up next. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to straight out, of Vegas.
2: straight out of Vegas
1: one of the best in the business Bernie Fratto.
3: If you dare.
4: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So we're
1: back. I'm straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before going further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, Bull Benson, Chris Perfett, and Kevin Figures on the updates tonight. They'll be with me, as you will too, until 3 a.m. Pacific time. 6 a.m. Eastern. Before I get to my Major League Baseball stat, I want to remind everybody, my good buddy uh, Joe Gibbs, our NFL ref stats guy that you hear, you've heard on the last couple NFL seasons, uh, texted me to remind me that after uh, Denver fired Josh McDaniels uh, as the head coach, he became the uh, the offensive coordinator for the St. Louis Rams the following season. Yes, I remember. I'm glad you reminded me. They were 2-14 and 14 that year. Interestingly enough, that Rams team started out 4-0 in the preseason, proceeded to open up the regular season, lost their first seven games, and then, of course, actually lost their first six, they had a bye week five, uh, and then they went on to go 2-14. and 14. The following year, Josh McDaniels was gone. Brian Schottenheimer took over in St. Louis. And all I would say is this, is that, uh, look, maybe Josh McDaniels goes out and wins the Super Bowl. All I know is I got to see it to believe it. Without Bill Belichick by his side, I have questions as to the results they're going to get. Maybe he doesn't get them this year. Maybe he gets them next year. I'll be an open-minded guy, but I'm paid to have opinions. And I do not have the faith that he is going to lead them to the promised land like some folks do. Maybe it's a little bit of wishful thinking. We'll see. Prove me wrong. I'm hearing that he implemented a very creative concept in practice that if a player makes a, a mistake, maybe runs the wrong route or misses a block, you got to run a lap. Oh, man, that, now you're cooking. you got to run a lap. I think we did that in high school. But that, that's, that's pretty clever. I wonder if they're going to do that in the games too. You know, let's say, uh, let's say Darren Waller uh, misses a block or, or runs the wrong route to just run the lap in the game too. Why not? That'd be entertaining. All right, I'm not picking on Josh McDaniels. I'm I'm doing a radio show here and I'm calling him as I see him. Let's see what the Raiders do this year. Save the tape. I'll eat my words. I don't care. Uh, I just I'm I think they're gonna go nine and eight. Prove me wrong. That's all. Prove me wrong. All right, Major League Baseball season has what I would consider to be one of the more interesting idiosyncratic stats this year, that there you, you have a situation where there are a record-tying number of teams that are A, on pace to win 100 games, and other teams on pace to lose 100 games. That hasn't happened. For each, the teams that are on pace to win 100 games are the Yankees, they're currently on pace to win a hundred and thirteen. The Dodgers, they're currently on pace to win hundred and eight. The Houston Astros, uh, at the rate right they're on they won 105, and the New York Mets, which Jason Smith, I think, will be happy to hear. They're on pace to win 101. On the flip side of the coin, the Washington Nationals, who just won it all, what, three years ago, they they're on pace to lose. 109 games. The Oakland Athletics. Now here's why this is significant. Uh, their win total this year, I think, was 77. Boy, you talk about going under. Whew, if you're holding that ticket, you're happy. Uh, you know, you're happier in the pig and slop. Uh, the A's are on pace to lose 105 games, which means they'd win 57. You cash that ticket, going under 20 games by going under by 20 games. The Cincinnati Reds on pace to lose 101 and. The Chicago Cubs, unfortunately, back in familiar territory after the glorious season of 2016. They're on pace to lose 100 games exactly. Speaking of games, Thursday night, you got the, you know, the Hall of Fame game. Lamal and I both agree we like the under. The, the total is 33.5 right now. Uh, I do not, you know, these, these games are not always easy to to handicap in the sense of you don't know what you, you've you got, but look, in a game like this, it's not judging about who's better. It's You know both teams are going to rest their starters. I think you could see Trevor Lawrence for a series, maybe one or two under their new coach, Doug Peterson. I do think Jacksonville has a deeper roster in terms of more players competing for a job, while the Raiders are a little bit more of an older veteran team, and they're going to just have a heavy rotation of undrafted free agents, while the Jags, I think they're going to evaluate some of their more recent draft picks like Kalevon Chasen and Levitska Chenault and Andre Sisko. I think the Jags might be a good bet here getting two points. These teams have, tend to be close, and I don't think you're going to see a whole hell of a lot of offensive fireworks. That's going to do it for Straight Out of Vegas. I want to thank my broadcast team again, and we will see you in just a second. For Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Frato. We'll take you to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern.
0: If you dare.